0: You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. Paul, I can see that you were practicing your martial arts moves. Does that have anything to do with uh, one of the books that we're aiming today?
1: Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got Midnighter right here. I, I, I've i got to come correct.
0: All right, fair enough. We are here to bring you all the comic book news from Wednesday, June 9th. We are also joined by our fantastic moderator. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hello, everybody. Rob will be your moderator for this evening, hanging out with you in the chats and passing along questions.
0: All right, we've got an action-packed week full of books and a lot of news today, so bear with us. We're going to dive right in with our comic book news uh Starting out with some movie adaptations that I think some of you guys will be excited to hear about. First up, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter Jim Mickle, who is the showrunner and co-creator of Netflix's Sweet Tooth, which you may have heard and or watched already, uh, he is set to direct Legendary Entertainment's upcoming adaptation of God Country. Published by Image Comics and created by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw, God Country tells the story of Emmett Quinlan, an old win- widower with dementia and violent tendencies. When a tornado hits his West Texas town, he discovers a legendary sword called Valofax in The Wreckage, which gives him strength and clarity. He alone can fight off the monsters that descend on what remains of his hometown. There's no release date for God Country just yet, but Cates did write the script for the adaptation, so you know that it's going to be good. Uh, And it is being produced by Lee and John Kramer of Aftershock Media. And yes. uh, for those of you who are also fans of Cates' work, you may have seen Valofax recently in Crossover, uh, making a a debut. Yep. That's like the that's the Donnie Kate's cinematic universe. That's, right there. That's what
1: I'm waiting for. Just do everything Donnie Cates has done, and then just you know, when I'm 87 years old, then Crossover will have come out, and I can I can just um, you know be frozen a happy man.
0: And I'm uh, I'm holding out for Redneck and Baby Teeth. So. <laughs> oh
1: yes. <laughs> All right, what's up next? Let's cut that sound bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so moving along over to the world of Marvel. Marvel has released new details about Jonathan Hickman's upcoming series, X-Men Inferno. A day of reckoning comes to the mutant leaders as Mystique tries to burn the nation of Krakoa to the ground. This will be a four-issue miniseries with each issue clocking in at 40 pages, drawn by Valerio Shidi, Arby Silva, and Stefano Caselli. The story will feature revelations about uh, Moira McTaggart, Nimrod, and more inferno number one hit stores this september finally picking up on some threads from uh Hoxpox. yeah i think is like it's it's like sort of the loose um sort of sequel to that as from what i've read i've 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 read some x-men not all of it there's in between those two, between Inferno and the end of Hoxpox, Pox, there's been a lot of books
0: they They have been hustling. I mean, we've gone through the whole dawn of X, the Reign of X, and uh, this might be the fall of X. Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Up next'll <laughs> we'll see. Ah, who knows. Anything is possible, Jonathan Hickman. Up next, actress Amelia Clark, you know the one uh, from Game of Thrones, but also from the upcoming uh, Image Comics series, Mom, Mother of Madness. Uh, Actress Amelia Clark has shared her excitement over her Star Wars character, Kira, returning to the Star Wars timeline with Marvel's War of the Bounty Hunters, number one. Clark says it means the absolute world to see her reincorporated. I know her backstory. I know her history. To see the character actually be taken on to the origin of it all cemented this in a way. To see more of Kira and her attempt to rejuvenate Crimson Dawn, which we were introduced to in Solo, a Star Wars story, check out the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover, which will be in Marvel's Star Wars, Darth Vader, Dr. Aphra, and Bounty Hunters books.
1: Yes, uh, very excited. I mean, I I actually particularly love the like I don't love them and what they do, but the story of the Crimson Dawn. <laughs> well, I I'm just a multi- big fan. <laughs> big fan of your work. Um, more more so. What I love is like that sort of seedy underbelly of Star Wars. Like that's my favorite part of Star Wars. So mm-hmm. very excited. Um, hopefully we get more of that to the uh, big or even small screen at this point. I'll take it. So um now. Moving on to some Eisner nominees, who uh, we've got. Is it the already that hit. time again? It already is. Remember, we hit, We're still cleaning up the uh, confetti from our last Raptor party, Amy. <laughs> where
0: we correctly uh, guessed all the. <laughs> we <laughs> the sure winners. did.
1: Yeah, and I did not guess one. Well, I guess like maybe one or two, like shoe ins for who um, would be the Eisner. But I was wrong about so many other ones. We should do so, a, <laughs> an
0: Oscar pool style Eisners with mm-hmm. maybe with the local comic society.
1: We will be doing that, everyone, just so you know. Rob, get on it. (laughs) All right. So uh, Comic-Con International has released the official list for Eisner nominees for 2021. Celebrating publishing achievements for the year of 2020, Image and Fantagraphics were uh, the most nominated publishers, and Gene Luen Yang was the most nominated creator with five accolades. Uh, creators Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, Jeff Lemire, Adrian Tamin, James Tinian, James sorry James Titan the fourth and Chip Zdarsky also received three nominations. So a list of people no one's ever heard of ever um, <laughs> that we've
0: never once spoken of on this show.
1: A, a bunch of indie writers. So for the full list of titles and creators nominated for the awards visit Comic-Con International. Uh, winners will be voted on by Publishing Pros and will be announced in July as part of Comic-Con at Home. Um, they still haven't invited us. Technically, we are Comic-Pros people.
0: I think so. I, I, by this point, I mean, we've been in the game long enough. We'll, we'll just send in our uh, episodes from last year and say this should be sufficient.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're sending in you know, with physical media, they're going to have to do the work. Find a VCR
0: snail mail. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And the last piece of news, which I'm sure is not news to people, but we just wanted to remind you, as we're sure everybody already knows Loki premieres on Disney plus today. If you've already seen the episode, no spoilers, uh, those of us in the chats or on this show may have been in varying degrees of watching the episodes, but this is not the place for spoilers, but don't miss out on the series that will introduce fans to the time variance authority and begin a new chapter of MCU history. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to stop by your local comic book store and check out fantastic series about the God of mischief, like Loki agent of Asgard vote, Loki and more Uh, highly recommend agent of Asgard. That is an Ally Ewing joint Uh, vote. Loki was a super fun one back from 2016 that kind of had some crossover with Jane Foster Thor Uh, and then there's the Daniel Kibblesmith Loki series that was recent within the last two or three years. My perception of time is completely off, but that is also a fantastic, uh, series about Loki. So if you're, if you're jonesing for more, be sure to stop by your local comic book store because I'm sure they would be happy to provide you with some Loki books this week.
1: Yes. I know we would, we would be all over it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, as we said, comics pros, we will accept our invite via email. Thank you. All right. I think so. That's all our news. It was a big week. We haven't had a we haven't had a five newser in a a, a while.
0: I know. Lots of headlines going on.
1: It's been a good week. So uh, I think that means we are due to move on to our next segment, which is our weekly haul. Do 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 do. -do. Oh, actually, that's ESPN. I don't think we can use that one. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Every (laughs) week. Definitely not using that
0: every wednesday but this week we've got something a little bit new for you guys uh it's a it's a familiar segment we've got pick of the week but paul Mm -hmm. and i had so much crossover on our polls note that crossover was not actually in our polls this week uh we had so much crossover that we did two picks of the week because there were two books we wanted to doubly make sure uh that we are featuring for you guys which means when we do our aim segment we will only be aiming one book Mm -hmm. each But uh, we're going to give you guys as much information as you need on our picks of the week so far. So let's start out with the kind of headliner of the week, I'd say. DC Pride number one, another anthology one-shot from DC Comics. Uh, They have been doing such a great job with these the the most recent besides this was of course the festival of superheroes that was celebrating Mm -hmm. aapi superheroes and creators and up next in celebration of pride month we've got the uh, progressive pride dc logo you can see going on on the book Uh, and this is a celebration of lgbtq characters and creators across Mm -hmm. the board uh just a fantastic fantastic output now there are a lot of creators on this book so paul i don't know if you mind i i pulled them all uh, and I will be going through them for you very quickly. Uh, in terms of writers on this book, we've got James Tyne and the Fourth, Vita Ayala, Steve Orlando, Mariko Tamaki, Danny Lore, Andrew Wheeler, Sam Johns, and Nicole Maines, who you might recognize mm. from Supergirl. Uh, for art, we've got Trung Lane Nguyen, Lisa Sterl, Ted, uh, Ted Stein and Roe Brandt, Stephen Byrne, Skylar Patridge, Klaus Jansen, Rachel Stott. Luciano Vecchio, and A- Amy Reeder. Excuse me. I was like, what name is that? That's Amy Reader. Um, <laughs> for colors, we've got Jose Villarubia, Rex Locus, Marissa Louise, Dave McKaig, and Enrica Aaron Angiolini. And then for lettering, we've got Aditya Bidikar, who I believe was just nominated for an nominated. Eisner for lettering. Yep. Changing the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Ariana Maher, Josh Reed, <clears throat> Steve Wands, Becca Carey, and Tom Napolitano. And then... If that wasn't enough, we have pinups, which are like full spread pages, so just good. single images. Uh, I know, just woof. Uh, by Brittany Williams, Nick Robles, Chris Anka, Kevin Wada, David Tulaski, Travis Moore, and Sophie Campbell. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. I've got the wow. David Tulaski uh, Midnighter in Apollo behind me. And I've got. For uh, who's watching.
0: Yeah, for everyone who's watching live, I also have Trung winds wins uh, Batwoman from the story he did with uh, James Tynan the Fourth. Mm-hmm. That is the opening of the book. Uh, just absolutely beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, but now yeah. I didn't. All those creators weren't necessarily in pair order of, of who worked right, on yeah. what project. Some of the letterers and colorers worked on multiple projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is just a uh, celebration of talent both in the pages and contributing to the pages.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- and again, so so now with both picks of the week uh again we're going to spend a little more time on dc pride than we will on uh this our the next book <laughs> because this is a literally a huge book so we are going to very lightly aim this book um and again um we'll get into it a little bit later but aim is how we rate or and or review books the a stands for accessibility how easy is it for you to pick up and read the i is interest what is the interest around the comic book industry with this book and who would like this book, and the M is the monetary investment. How much does this book cost, and what are you getting for your investment there? And boom, thank you so much, Chris. So there you can see it. Um, So we will lightly aim our picks of the week as we normally do, and then we may go into a little more detail with our other books. So jumping right into the accessibility for DC uh, Pride number one, we sort of split accessibility into, you know, sort of a 75-25, 25%. um, of that is how easy is it for you to find this particular book um, and I can answer that real easy it's very easy to find this book it should be <laughs> everywhere uh dc is has sort of been leading up to this along i think with their um with the logo change as well as some of the incredible pride month variants they're doing Mm -hmm. this was sort of one of the biggest things they were doing to celebrate pride month so um it should be on shelves as well as the um oh it just left my mind amy who's doing the variant um, it's a Jen
0: Bartel variant for Jen this Bartell. one specifically. Thank you with Harley, Harley, and, Ivy. Harley oh. and Ivy specifically. There, there have been a bunch of uh, Pride variants across different titles all month long, right. including but for Pride and Lobo specifically. and yeah, with yeah. Um, with specific LGBTQ characters and allies. Um, mm-hmm. But this this issue specifically only has one variant cover, but that also should be plentiful because it's Jen Bartel. Hello.
1: <laughs> yes, it's. It's absolutely beautiful, so you should have no problem finding it, and um, if you can't make it into your local comic shop, you can definitely find it on Comixology, like, right now. Um, you know what's you know what's weird is I forgot now that DC books come out on Tuesday. Yeah. So, when you were <laughs> looking for DC books, do not look at, like, and you're looking today, don't look for books that are out today, because you won't find it. You have to go back to, like, what also came out yesterday, because I was... Like, this happened a couple of weeks ago, but I was, like, so mad at myself about that. So you're definitely going to want to find, uh, if you need to, this is on Comixology or your local shop. Now, how easy is it to just pick up and read? <laughs> it's a number one. I, I think, honestly, you should be okay. A lot of these characters are very – I'm sorry <clears> – <throat> are very recognizable and – um I don't think you need to know every single thing about, you know, Alan Scott, Renee Montoya, um, even Kit Kane. You know, some of these characters, you'll recognize maybe their alter ego being whatever hero they are. Um, But the story isn't necessarily about them as that hero per se.
0: Right. As our resident uh, casual DC reader, I I like to serve as your um, kind of stepping stone for those who are less familiar with DC. Um, And while I haven't read the surrounding series for many of these characters, I think the most uh, that I've read are uh, Batwoman, uh, The Question and Harley and Ivy. Um, Because of the anthology format, uh, each story is self-contained uh, more mm-hmm. or less and gives you the material that you need to know a passing familiarity with the characters does help, but you don't necessarily have to know who just quick, the new flash of earth mm-hmm. 11, I want to say earth is. Eleven. Earth mm-hmm. 11. Yes. I do know something. Um, <laughs> you don't know, you don't have to know their whole history. Um, the, the, if you know what a flash is, um, because <laughs> there are many flash characters, um, and you kind of understand that speedster element, then you should be good to go with the story, uh, which I believe that one's called, uh, clothes, makeup, clothes, makeup gift. Um, by yes. Danny Lore and uh, Lisa Sterl, who is on Witchblood for uh, Vault Comics. It's oh, all connected. Oh, nice. Um, but again, uh, I'm getting a little off the point. Like a speedster, um, you don't have to know <laughs> the entire backstory for all these characters. It does help to have a passing familiarity. I will admit I wasn't mm-hmm. familiar with um, the Pied Piper who is included, and I wasn't familiar with the family history of Alan Scott. I know Alan Scott as a Green Lantern, uh, but I didn't recognize the uh, characters um, who are his family and were included yes. in the story. But beyond that it is a beautiful beautiful celebration of different stories uh and just kind of day in the lives of these superheroes and Mm -hmm. and it's i really enjoyed these uh these different tales the book opens very beautifully on uh james tyne in the fourths and uh trung lane wins uh kate kane story that has to deal with seeing yourself or seeing a reflection in the mirror and it really beautifully works in her uh kind of her own identity growing up with the larger themes of pride month and celebrating identity and finding uh your authentic self um but these these were just it was so many just fun and different stories and they run the gamut of uh being kind of dramatic and serious to just very very fun superhero action featuring some incredible characters
1: yeah and there's a lot you know is, is sort of taking a small step back as far as like accessibility uh what's great is if you don't know a lot about these characters um you can read this be interested in it and then there are so many opportunities for you to jump back in you know with and really enjoy these characters um for instance like Steve Orlando who wrote the Midnighter um story he's this is Midnighter and Apollo behind me he wrote an incredible Eisner-nominated story for Midnighter, right? I believe it was like 2015, and then got to do a Midnighter and Apollo series. So there, I think a lot of what this book is doing that is so incredible as far as outside of the the great representation that it's giving is allowing people to get these characters in front of their eyes and have an opportunity to read them when they can.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And I I also want to say specifically, it doesn't um, it doesn't tokenize or or kind of put any of these characters as like, look, we've fulfilled a diversity quota. These are all characters who have existed for many, many years. I mean, even down to Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, um, just Mm -hmm. so many characters uh, and the ways that uh, we've got newer generations with. Uh, like Jess Quick and and just all these different characters. And it's just, the stories feel organic. They feel like they're told from places of love. Um, Mm -hmm. It is just an amazing celebration. And the creators behind the stories, I mean, these, they are using their own authentic voices as well to Mm -hmm. tell realistic stories about these characters. And there's nothing that is um, putting a a strange spotlight and and none of the characters are, like, I, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding super weird, but it's not the, they're, their sexuality is not the plot point. It's who right, they are. Right. It's part of who they are and it's beautifully mm. worked in and it's not foghorned in a way that'll make people feel alienated from these characters. It's just fun stories celebrating these characters who, who have very interesting stories to tell.
1: Well, and, and if anything, I think, uh, Amy, to that point, and again, I unfortunately could not make it through the entire book. I think I've only got like two stories left, mm. but, uh, you know, opening up with the, the the Kate Kane story, what it does is sort of also humanize these, story, humanize these characters in a way. Uh, obviously, Kate Kane, because she is a human, um, <laughs> you know, uh, more some of the characters in this aren't necessarily human. And um, so Kate Kane, you know, like she is incredibly badass for so many other reasons. And then to have this very human and realistic sort of sense of identity while she is fighting. Uh, oh, I don't want to spoil it. Well, she's fighting someone, um, but it, it's such a great sort of nod to like the the struggle that people are walking around with every single day. And if it's like I, I love to see it's like, well, if it's Batwoman, you like, you know, it, it sort of just kind of kicks the door open and to have, you know, um, James the IV write it, who. Has very been has been very public about the uh, his own personal identity and his struggle with some of that and being very open and vocal. It, it's been wonderful. It's and it's that's why I think this is one of the bet like this is probably why it started so strongly is because he <laughs> um, I think because Simon has been so open and honest and it, it really comes through.
0: Yeah, and that, that also comes, yeah, absolutely. It's very authentic in the way that um, Kate Kane's narrative in this anthology deals with the dysphoria of looking in a mirror and not being sure or not liking what you see back mm-hmm. and that struggle to, to find yourself and, and proudly declare who you are. Um, now, one of the standout stories for me was um, the the tale of Dreamer. Uh, I forget what the actual uh, short, they all have cute, unique um Titles to each story, but I don't remember what the Dreamer story was called, forgive me. Uh, But that was specifically written by Nicole Maines from the Supergirl CW television show. It's uh, date night. oh date night okay date night yeah yes that that makes sense uh given the context of that story and i actually (laughs) couldn't quite tell if it was fully set in the cw continuity or the main dc i guess after future state everything is everything but um (laughs) as a lapsed supergirl viewer i uh loved nia nal and the uh the reinvention of that character of dreamer uh the uh inclusion with brainy or uh brainiac 12 is he 12 i don't remember which one he is um brainiac 5 there's too many Brainiacs. I think it's Brainiac 5 um, and Supergirl. You get like a brief, brief flash of Supergirl, but it's written by Nicole Maines, who has been such a champion for uh, reinventing and representing Dreamer uh, as a transgender superhero with amazing powers. And the fact that she got to write uh, the story for this character with amazing art by Rachel Stott. Uh, it's just so fun. It brings these characters to life in a slightly slightly different version than their um Live action designs, it's pretty faithful for Dreamer's costume, uh, but Brainy kind of has a different look that I remember him having because in the show he's a little bit bluer than he is green. Anyways, that's not the point. It is so cool to get to see this actress write this comic because there's a lot of people who, you know, we've got Keanu Reeves with Berserker and different mm-hmm. uh, actors and, and people. There's all this crossing of the streams. Um, but for Nicole to get to kind of create the story that is so authentic to the character, it's just a lot of fun. And, and I yeah. love... I love that universe. The Supergirl series was always my favorite of the CW shows. Um, So it's really cool to see that included in this uh, anthology, which is, again, a celebration of those characters and the people who pioneer them. and there's also in the back of the book, there's some like character features, and there's a little bit more about Dreamer uh, for yeah, people nice. who aren't familiar. Because I believe um, there was a different version of Dreamer who's like the ancestor of Nia Nall, uh in the TV show. And I don't oh. remember what the original DC Dreamer's name is. Um, but again, there's, there's profiles and supplementary information to familiarize you with these characters if, as we've mentioned, you're not as familiar with all of them. But the The whole book is just great. I think everybody chose the characters to feature so well. I love um, Vida Ayala's take on Rene Montoya and the their kind of um, handling of the detective voice. And I love. I think I I was going to say there's a visual gag. There's a visual gag with the question that I don't want to spoil, oh, but it is so yeah. funny. I was like, "That is amazing." Um,
1: <laughs> Rorschach esque.
0: Yeah, with the you know the face uh, yeah. being like the blank face. Face, anyways, it's just it's just so much fun. And then Mariko Tamaki getting her hands on uh, Harley and Ivy. I mean, that's a match yeah. made in heaven.
1: Incredible. Yeah, I think like there's always one you know particular person that when I come out of these huge um, sort of compilation books, I'm like, there's always one artist that is like. Fully on my radar, and right now it's Skylar Partridge who did the Vida Ayala story. Yeah, that art was she, incredible. Oh, and also she did the She Hulk Jose... story
0: in the um, oh okay the recent the Women of Marvel anthology. That's yeah. Skyler Skylar Partridge is kind of coming up on the radar. Uh, and then
1: Jose Villaruba in um in the colors. Like, yes. Oh my God, that was that book looked so good. And then Vida just did an incredible job with that story. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, they always do. I mean, I think Vita Ayala is one of the... Kind of in the generation where I see it's Vita and Teenie and Leah Williams and Danny Lore. They're all kind of the Mm -hmm. uh, the rising, hotly rising stars of Marvel and DC right now.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well...
0: Now... I think we should get into the M real quick. I mean, we kind of covered quick, interest yes. again, because if any of these characters, the artists we've mentioned, the pinups, oh my God, just the pinups alone are amazing. Are incredible. Uh, the, the Kevin Wada Constantine is worth the price of admission. Uh, <laughs> but uh, That's almost yeah, just, my background. It's a fantastic effort by everybody involved. But the M is important to know with DC's anthologies, you're getting a lot of story. So you're paying a little bit more. Uh, in terms yep. of, and this is a nine ninety nine anthology, very similar to the previous mm-hmm. releases, including Love is a Battlefield and as we mentioned, the Festival of Superheroes. Um, mm-hmm. But this is an eighty page anthology. The previous ones have ranged between eighty to hundred pages. This is solidly an eighty page book with, I believe, seven unique stories plus ten pages worth of uh, pinups or so.
1: Yeah, on this uh, You can check my math on that. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got nine stories technically. Oh
0: nine stories.
1: Nine stories. One one like four page. I'm underselling the, the book,
0: about. I apologize.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's only because oh, you're not gonna be able to see, it, but I'm I'm cheating and I have all the stories right here. Oh. Just looking <laughs> I mean I'm just Cheater. guessing it's probably like 9 stories I don't know. <laughs> um well yeah so 999 I mean honestly this is a great great book like they just keep outdoing themselves with these sort of um these you know compilation collection books you know that are being themed. but this re- this one is really incredible. Um I think this is their fourth or fifth you know turn at this style and it just keeps getting better.
0: Yeah, and it really is. I mean, the ultimate kind of sampler. Even if you only like or know half the characters involved, this is a great way to expose yourself to mm-hmm. tons of characters and creators who otherwise you would have to seek out individual books and yep. pay three ninety nine for individual books to get a sense of these people's style. But they are quick stories. It is just a nice, beautiful sampler uh, and a fantastic, again, celebration of of a great assembly of DC Comics characters. Yep. So that's our. I mean, like that. I mean, when we have multiple picks of the week, there's always going to be the one that's the pickiest pick of the week, and I think DC Pride is the headliner comic this week. No surprise, uh, that is. Yeah, and it's, that's... it's
1: like kids. There's always a favorite kid. <laughs> you know, I know it's I know it's my, my third least favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm my parents' favorite boy. I'm the only one. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, well,
1: we have th- one more. Pick of the week. Yes,
0: yes so that was DC Pride for you guys, but we do have another pick of the week. uh We're dialing into a singular horror story. We're going to tell you a little bit about Bunny Mask from Aftershock yes. Comics. Look at that fun, happy, cute oh, cover. Man. This would have been a good pick for last week. We had some pretty, pretty some creepy, yeah. creepy stuff going on last week. So, uh, hey, Bunny me- Mask...
1: You know, and Amy, as you know, you you do like to cosplay. Like, I I have a feeling we're going to see some bunny mask cosplay. You know, when we actually get (laughs) to go back to conventions, and because this is such like a clean and simple cosplay, but it's also so terrifying.
0: Yeah, not to be confused with simple and clean by Utada Hikaru. Um, No, it's given me um, (laughs) no because you know I got to always bring it back to a video game thing. So we got to. Hint, hint, maybe a video game themed week and event and show coming up next week. Um, it gives we me Huntress one. vibes from Dead by Daylight. Again, there's something about oh, okay. a rabbit mask uh, that is supremely creepy, especially where you can't see the eyes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this is, a, this is a fantastic horror debut from Aftershocks written by Paul Tobin with art and colors by Andrea Mute, uh, Moody and uh, letters by Taylor Esposito. Now, yes. uh, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. We last saw uh, Moody on another horror title for Aftershock Comics, right? Yes. With Maniac of uh, New York.
1: Maniac of New York, still on that book. Yeah, they're on, I believe, issue five or six. Just Five or six just came out. Oh, five came out today. Um, I'm, I'm currently reading that book. I absolutely love it. And so all of the art on you know on that book is very very reminiscent of what you're going to be getting in this if you're reading it uh that's you know very similar art style
0: lauren lopez in our youtube channel says if you cosplay bunny mask
1: you have to do the teeth <laughs>
0: but do we? <laughs> do we do we no. no. but yeah you're right this is i this is you something gotta commit. yeah commit to the bit um uh, mm-hmm. this is a very kind of cool design which we don't you get just a tantalizing amount of the bunny mask in yes. in this it's book like um, the
1: first I- like the the first of the new Godzilla movies. He's in like 5 minutes of it, but it was still awesome.
0: Yes. So uh, in terms of the A, accessibility, this is what we like to call a true number one. This is a ti- This is a accolade reserved, uh, rarely uh, given to Marvel or DC titles because of the extensive amount of character history that comes with them. But true number one means you absolutely, absolutely have to have read nothing going into this. You don't even have to have read the solicitation text. It always helps. That's always a great place to see whether or not you'll be intrigued by a story. That is the kind of first defense of marketing uh, after the... The shocking covers of the books, um, but in a true number one, you don't have to know anything about going into this, and you can already surmise from the cover this is a horror, but it is also a mystery.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, and again, as far as, um, are we already jumping into the eye? We're going sure. I, we can jump can into we the go eye. Interest. Okay. Yeah. So also, it's available on Comixology. I don't know if Amy already said that. I did that. But, but thank um, you. So it is available on Comixology. So jumping it right into the eye, uh, this is a this really is like a, a true sort of um, psycho. I would say kind of like psychological horror there there's not much like uh there's not body horror really except for like the teeth which you will see that's Uh, that's
0: all the body horror we need thank you very much (laughs)
1: yeah yeah hard pass on that like we were just talking about you know like all the little things that you can't watch like i don't like peep like fingernails like being pulled like the teeth is also was also hard for me so it immediately gripped me uh because i was scared of like where this was going and and you know Moody's uh moody's um art and this is so sort of like even the blood like the way that he had splattered, uh, uh, that some of that was splattered.
0: One side of the mouth, which almost makes me think that her teeth were causing some bleeding. And it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a, oh, she bit somebody. It almost felt like, oh, she's making her own lips bleed. Sorry, (laughs) how many times can I do this with my face? It wasn't like flossing,
1: (laughs) you know. (laughs) So (laughs) do you floss
0: regularly? Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) No, you do not. We we know. I Um, flossed
0: 20 minutes before sitting in this (laughs) dentist chair. Thank you.
1: (laughs) You're welcome. And uh, yeah, so I mean, this was interesting because I, again, we had just had, like Amy was saying, this would have been a perfect fit for our episode last week because um, Aftershock has been putting out some excellent horror. Uh, I've, I, you know, again, we had said last week there's been an excellent wave of horror that's sort of been sweeping through, uh, you know, comic shops. And our hearts recently. And it's sort of this very, like, real horror. Like, there is, for, you know, for, again, we are a spoiler free show on podcast. Um, there is an element of supernatural horror to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's not really at the forefront. Some of, you know, the human condition is the real, I would say, um, horror aspect of this show. I mean, I'm sorry, of this, not not this show, uh, of uh, of this book. And, Real scary, uh, that's, the comics mm-hmm,
0: hall. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's always, like, one of the things that scares me the most, I think, is that outside of, like, you know, some of the supernatural elements, the scary parts and the villains in this book are just people, and that is always more terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I I was trying to think, Amy, of like other things that this sort of reminded me of. And I I couldn't really think of a whole lot. Maybe I was just because I was, you know, we were reading on a deadline or what it was. But like I was trying, I couldn't think of many.
0: I I have a few that are very loose associations. I mean, first of all, I don't think it's anywhere near the same tone of Maniac of New York. But the art style, Mm -hmm. obviously, if you're a fan of uh, Moody's artwork, Um Apart from the visual similarities to Dead by Daylight with the Huntress character, I got some Halloween or Michael Myers type vibes where it's this masked entity who is kind of far off in the distance, more of a story. Um, but the mythology of Bunny Mask is really not spelled out all the way in this story. Right. Um, but I think the way that we're presented with a, an artist who has also kind of seen Bunny Mask in her dreams uh, mm-hmm. That idea of like the Michael Myers and like he came home and like he's the devil and 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 he's this icon uh, that haunts people got a little little bit of Halloween vibes and then I think additionally and I can't pin it to down down to one exact story but I get some uh, Junji Ito vibes in that horror oh, that familiar. deals with the people and the everyday um, but I think the challenge of this book is that so much of the mystery is not laid bare and there's some different there's some different timeline hops you start Mm -hmm. 14 years in the past and then uh we are in the present with tyler severin who's kind of haunted by um this incident he experienced that may or may not have unleashed yeah yeah may may or may Mm -hmm. not have unleashed this entity into the world and like you don't know is bunny mask a is a is bunny mask a child is bunny mask something even bigger or more ancient there's so much mystery in here that it's hard to properly say what the exact parallels would be, but I think if you're a fan of Junji Ito and kind of that Michael Myers type, uh, horror killer—not exactly a slasher yeah. in this sense—but the, the legend, the myth, uh, not so yeah. much a Jason, and it's not Jason Voorhees; it's very much more of a Michael Myers, in my opinion. Um, yeah, take that. Yeah, J- for Jason what you will.
1: Voorhees would be Maniac of New York. Like, if you're a Jason yeah. Voorhees, that is a very you know sort of a prototype ar- archetype for that as well. This definitely felt like an episode now that i'm thinking about it and i was listening to you talk like an episode of supernatural that they're (laughs) that you're like oh you have to go into this whole lore because now i'm thinking of what uh dean winchester said and he's just like monsters you know he's like oh monsters are easy to understand or something Some yeah monsters i get people are crazy (laughs) and and that's what this this is you know to me and it's just um it just feels like there's so much uh, lore to be built out with this, and we, which we will eventually get because, like um, I've mentioned, um, and I don't think there's been one, there have been too many, but most Aftershock books are five to six issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of them have gone on to be like 2023, but most of them are miniseries. So hopefully this, you know, we start getting some answers in the second one.
0: Oh, yeah, and Stay for the Back Matter
1: also. There's some pretty interesting uh, sort of after reading.
0: Yeah, kind of like a police scanner uh, transcript and mm-hmm. some personal writings from somebody who may be connected to Bunny Mask. Yeah, you know, not, not 100% sure, but... It's, it's Rob. <laughs> Rob and his crazy, uh, crazy scrawlings. But yeah, it's it's getting more and more crucial and almost necessary with these mm-hmm. comics that are incorporating uh, interesting prose into their back matter. Um almost required reading. And I mean, it's part of what you're paying for. So why would you skip it? Um, Yeah. Now in terms of uh, M, I don't know if we fully covered it, but as you mentioned, this may or may not be a limited series. We don't have the exact uh, number. I couldn't, I couldn't find a specific number because the solicitations for five months out haven't been, uh, announced so we don't have the full confirmation of this is a five or a six issue series. Uh, but like all Aftershock number ones, this is four ninety mm-hmm. Um that is a consistent pricing across their their new releases, and it is 32 pages. And I think apart from a couple of advertising pages, this is mostly straight story all the way through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're getting almost 26, 27 pages of book. The rest of it are like again, back matter. And then they always do a nice little excerpt in the back on the writers. yes And, the artists, yeah. which is and nice this
0: is, read. this is a good and understated horror debut. I think this is going to be one of those ones that people will be talking about as it picks up. And as we mm-hmm. get a little bit more of the uh, revelations behind bunny mask, but I know that everybody that I saw who read this book was very shocked by the last page and the implications of it. So uh, if yes. you are looking for another fun, horror, slow burn to add to the pile, I think also similarly, um, it's a little different in tone, but if you enjoyed the pacing of Vault's recent "I Walk with Monsters," um, I think oh, that you will okay. also enjoy the build-up to Bunny Mask. That was that was yeah. very different because it was a hero, a heroic pair chasing down a kind of serial killer. They had been, or not serial killer necessarily, but a, an entity that they had kind of made seem larger than life in their own minds. Um, but this is this is almost the inverse of that, where we're seeing the release. Of an entity that we yeah. don't we don't know their full power yet.
1: Nope, but we we might in the next issue probably not completely, but yeah. So We'll probably get um, just
0: enough to go. Yeah. Just enough
1: to keep <laughs> us coming back. Yep. That's comics, baby
0: so that's our second pick of the week we do have a couple books each or one book each to aim so we'll get through that real quickly uh but that those are our picks of the week we got a big one and a small one that we wanted to make sure that you didn't miss this week and we're always trying to bring you new number ones uh so you can jump in on new series because it is so dang hard to walk into a store and see that everything that you're interested in is already number five seven twenty six and you don't know where the heck to start so uh i'm gonna take us into our aim segment we already reviewed for you what aim means uh but i've got a very special book that uh i could not get through because i was laughing too hard for a number of factors and i actually i did get through the book because i had to because that's my job uh but i've got the six sidekicks of trigger keaton number one from image comics and skybound this is written by kyle starks with art by chris Schweizer and coloring assist from liz trees Schweizer. um This is, again, for accessibility, a true number one, and it is packed with content. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of the the general pitch of it. The world's most unlikable action star winds up dead, and it's up to six of his former co-stars whose lives were impacted and possibly even ruined by Trigger Keaton to find out whether this was really a suicide like it appeared to be or if it was a murder. Meanwhile, there's a stuntman war brewing in Hollywood because of how much people did not like this man and how much they do not want uh, to have any of his kind of grave upturned and figured out. They don't care. They're glad he's dead. How do you catch a murderer (laughs) when everybody hated the victim? His six sidekicks are about to learn the trouble of being the stars of the show. Uh, now come for the action and humor stay for the fact that uh, the main character's name is Paul Hernandez and I'm not even kidding one of these I made it <laughs> one of the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton is Paul Hernandez a failed child actor turned nurse because Trigger Keaton fired him from their show martial art like the name martial art it's a very uh, if Clint Eastwood had a child sidekick and was like a Kung Fu cowboy uh, kind of show. And Trigger Keaton was known for punching stuntmen and putting them in the ER and the reserve list and just being generally really nasty uh, to everyone he worked with. And so he fired Paul Hernandez, who was his very first sidekick. And there's, you know, five others who were with him in a variety of shows. One of the fun things is that each of the uh, sidekicks was from a different genre of show. We had a a Knight Rider-esque a uh, show where one of the sidekicks was the talking car. There was a uh, sci-fi show with a female co-star. Um, there is the, the man who replaced Paul Hernandez in martial art, who was named uh, Tough. Um, sorry, I'm going to look it up. Tough, 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 Tough Munson. Tough Munson. Uh <laughs> And then we've got uh, the most recent of his sidekicks who is with him on a police procedural. And so this sidekick thinks he knows a thing or two about investigating corpses and murders, but uh, he's told to leave the leave the real police work to the police and stick to the acting. Um, so if you are if you're a fan of the comics hall and you just want to laugh your way through a book where legitimately one of the protagonists is named Paul Hernandez and is referred to as Paul Hernandez several times throughout the book, I highly recommend this. But on the virtue of the actual storytelling, this is such a funny book. Um, in terms of interest, if you're a fan of Assassination, which was Kyle Stark's previous project with Erica Hernandez of none other than Squirrel Girl and Dracula MF Fame, uh, you know. We covered that on our Halloween show. A little bit of a profane <laughs> title. Um, it is so funny, and it also has a bit of a if Clint Eastwood were just the worst person in Hollywood and had all this this trail of destruction behind him. Um, that is kind of the uh, that is kind of the gist. I also think if you like the movie Clue, where there's a number of hapless people trying to <laughs> solve a murder um, about a a person they may not have known well, or in this case, may not have liked well. Um, highly, highly recommend this book. It is a little light on the murder mystery element because this first issue does a great job of introducing you to the sidekicks. There's a lot of great content, especially a lot of the storytelling is done in incomplete snippets of television guide uh, information about what the show they were on was, and then incomplete newspaper snippings of the incident that got them fired or, or that got the production shut down for the show, usually the fault of Trigger Keaton. Um, Kyle Starks excels at large ensemble pieces. And again, if you read Assassin Nation, you know how great he is at naming hilarious characters and giving them amazing motivations. Um, a lot of them are hilariously distinct, but align just well enough with tropes of the genre. And for this, it's Hollywood stereotypes. Um they, they're. It's just fresh enough that it works. Because if this was a, you know, just six stock characters that were very formulaic, cut and paste, I don't think it'd be as funny. Even with someone like Paul Hernandez as the lead actor, um, but this hey, hey, this book is so funny, and I think because of. I didn't see a whole lot of press for this. It was from. It's from Image, but also the Skybound imprint of Image, um, and with a really long and specific title like the Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, I feel like this one's gonna go under a lot of people's radars. But it is. So funny. I had such a great time. And again, couldn't get through without laughing at the fact that legitimately Paul Hernandez is a failed child actor. <laughs> um, and in terms of M, this is three ninety nine, and it's your standard about 32 pages with a couple of advertisements for skybound and other image titles. Uh, but please, if nothing else, if you check out nothing else this week, besides the fantastic picks of the week, give this book a chance. It was a delight. It was a freaking delight.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like I can, I'm, you know, Hearing my eulogy in in life, Paul Hernandez, failed child actor. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, now because of my vanity, I'm very clearly going to have to read this book.
0: Yeah. To be honest, this
1: wasn't even on my radar. Like, I didn't even know this had come up until, you know, me and Amy did the outline on, what was it, Friday – and I was like, I, had, I hadn't even heard about this book.
0: And I'll be honest, it was only on my radar because Erica her- uh, uh, Erica Henderson uh, did one of the variant covers. And that's the one oh. I picked up. Uh, it's made to look like a tabloid, like an action tabloid. And it's got ads in the back for uh, his fan club and stuff. But um, I remembered her work on Assassination and how much I loved that one. Uh <laughs> It's just such a ridiculous book. And so this this has very much the trappings in the same style and humor because it is Kyle Stark's on the writing, but it is a totally, totally different uh setup. And I I I really enjoyed it. <laughs>
1: I really want to <laughs> read it now.
0: We do have a question for the audience. Rob, you wanna bring that bring that by us?
1: <laughs> or um Ryan Bragg over on YouTube would like to know who is going to play Paul in the movie adaptation. It would be, oh, I don't know, Paul, who do you want feel, to play feel Paul this Tilda Swinton.
0: Oh, good choice. Good choice.
1: She can she, do yeah, anything. she can.
0: She can do the failed child actor really well.
1: Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> failed. You know. Speaking of failed actors, why not Tilda Swinton, <laughs> who is one of the most successful actor? Uh, uh, yeah, it without would be, it would, it would be me. I would be the first person that they uh, were like, no, it's not going to be you.
0: I think you're going to have to talk to Kyle Starks about this one. I mean, you might be owed some royalties.
1: Well, we'll see. Yeah, I do own the rights to Paul Hernandez. My dad s- pays me a stipend constantly. <laughs> I think you mean an allowance. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not an allowance scientist, Amy.
0: All right. Well, that was my yes. aim for this week, the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. I hope you enjoy it if you do check it out. <laughs> it was, it was well, a nice surprise on the shelves this week.
1: Well, uh, my next aim does not have uh, an Amy uh, anywhere – Near it, I am so sorry to let to bum everyone out, but the uh, the book that I am going to be aiming for you all is Heroes Reborn Squadron Savage number one. Of course, this is one of the uh, one shot tie-ins into the current Heroes Reborn um, event that is happening right now. And again, this is a one shot. You actually, and I guess I'm just gonna sort of jump into the aim here. Um, start of you know starting with the accessibility. I am not reading Heroes Reborn, but I've read a couple of these Heroes Reborn, you know, offshoots. And I understood this perfectly because uh, the only thing you might need to know is who some of these characters are. Because then seeing the dynamic of them being sort of turned on their head and who they are differently in this new universe where the Avengers never existed uh, is really fun. So, uh, and really... All you got to know is uh, Punisher Crossbones and Electra. You've got Murder Hornet and Cloak there as well. But they are Murder Hornet. I I would assume is like a you know maybe like a Janet Van Dyne um, sort of proto. But we don't really I, get too much information. I feel like Murder
0: Hornet's a pretty pretty new uh, yeah. character.
1: And and like a I was thinking like a um, wasp Yellow Jacket sort of crossover. But also she's. She's got the bee powers, like the one like Ant- Swarmville? swarm, thank you swarm um, the
0: Nazi scientist made out of the bees. Nazi
1: scientists, yes, you know, oh, what is oh. our job, maybe? We just get to say those words and <laughs> these in are public. real things that we these are real things paid everyone. money
0: for and now we're <laughs> telling you
1: about them <laughs> now we're telling you all so um there are so this is I'm just gonna call it what it is a suicide squad. Type story uh the squadron savage does the work that the uh squadron supreme cannot do because you know they've got they can't cross international waters they can't do various other things so um electra who is the leader of the squadron savage is the um the one who sort of gets everyone together they have implant devices in their spine in case they don't comply so again um it is very because you know a lot of these stories as amy has mentioned and uh you know various times in covering heroes reborn in various in other ways um this is sort of like a um a nod to dc and some other things that they have done so it's um this is very clearly a nod to the suicide squad it's it's really well done though it's like the the sort of the tips of the caps are um pun intended are very much so like i i would say tastefully done like it's very well done like you know electra is like the the reluctant hero who is whoever the hero is leading the suicide squad um frank castle has a particularly tragic story in this as well as he does constantly um <laughs> i mean that's
0: just a normal tuesday for frank it's castle it's the m.o.
1: <laughs> Um, honestly, and this particular story, it does feel like one of, like, this would make an excellent Suicide Squad story. Like, this is very well written, and, like, the last four to six pages are so good, and they are, um... They are really well done, and it's got a just a really sort of – it ends on such a sad note, but on such a really – it's so well written that it feels like uh, the incredible Tom Taylor, you know, Suicide Squad run that we had just had where it's like, you know, yes, you've got all these people, and they're fully ready and, you know – understanding that they are going to die after these missions so they're just trying to make the most out of whatever happens and that's that same energy is brought into this particular story now um, this particular one shot is written by Ethan Sachs art by Lucas Pizarra and colors by Carlos Lopez and letters by Travis Lanham Um, and again this is a Heroes Reborn tie-in so uh while it will serve you to have read heroes reborn in like the grand concept of sort of what is happening you absolutely don't need to they actually give you small little snippets of what is happening in heroes reborn throughout this story that is sort of just enough you know to have you ask some questions but it doesn't really detract from what is happening in the um, squadron savage at all um so again, as far as the interest goes, you know, it, it is sort of, it is very Suicide Suicide Squad esque. You do get, um, you do get Cloak, you do get Murder Hornet, um, and of course you get the Punisher, you get Elektra, and Crossbones. So it is cool to see some of these characters brought into the forefront, and you know it asks it, it asks some really fun questions. Like I kept finding myself afterwards saying, like, who else would be in the you know squadron savage after this? Like, what other characters would find themselves in Marvel's Suicide Squad? Um, so I mean, it, it's really fun, and it actually does serve a really great purpose. I feel like I again I I have not read all of the other tie-ins, but this does sort of hint at whatever is happening. Whatever happened in I believe Heroes Reborn number five, which I obviously I had not read, but there's that stuff one was that about
0: uh, Nighthawk and the uh, Ravencroft Asylum break-in, and then this week's oh, okay. this week's issue is about Zarda, who is Power Princess. Uh, oh, okay. I actually, haven't had a chance to read that one yet,
1: but and then there's um, the other guy, the Spectrum,
0: uh, Doctor 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 Spectrum.
1: Spectrum? Yeah, is that his name? Because he's yeah, or
0: I mean, yeah, because he's got a he's got a power prism, but now I'm second guessing myself.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I think it's Doctor uh, but, Spectrum. Doctor Spectrum. Okay, <laughs> sorry. But it, it does have tie-ins to I believe five and six, but but they're not spoilers. It just does help. They just sort of nod to it, and it alludes to those particular characters. So, um, it, but honestly, it's really fun. And then as far as the M goes, the monetary investment, it is. It's actually thirty-six pages. It's it's a little bit longer than I think some of the other ones have been. Um, and I didn't find too many ads in it to be honest. So. 36 pages, $4.99, and uh, the only bad part of this book is there's only one of them. So this is a one-shot. As far as we know, there will not be um, any more of the Squadron Savage after Heroes Reborn. So uh, Squadron Savage and the Heroes Reborn, number one. Go get it. It's honestly really fun. If you are reading the uh, Heroes Reborn arc, Um, this is a a fun one to pick up because it's a very – different sort of uh take on the the team as you know as the Suicide Squad is to the Justice League and like what their definition of justice is that's always fun so um I had a lot of fun with this honestly I think you guys all will too so hopefully you guys go pick it up
0: yeah I think that's I think that's the biggest shame of this event is that one so many people are probably event fatigued that they're just going to pass this one completely up but with how light and fun and irreverent all the parodies are, and and it, mm-hmm. some of this was naturally in Marvel comics, and then some of this is more manufactured to be like, ha ha, now we have a Suicide Squad. But like, some of the the characters that are already in Marvel just hinting at the sim- similarities across multiverses and publishing houses. It's just it's so fun. It's so harmless. It's just a really nice mm-hmm. event, and it's moving very quickly because it's a one. Uh, one issue of the main title a week. Yeah, it'll event. be done in
1: like it'll be done before July, right? Yeah,
0: because next week is the last issue of Heroes Reborn, and mm. then there's a one-shot called Heroes Returned, and it's where Avengers uh. Earth's worst and most dastardly heroes come <laughs> to claim the crown again from the Squadron. And I love the um, again, if you're if you're itching for Mephisto, the Marvel's got your Mephisto right here. Um, now we're going to, let's do a quick rapid fire round with the other books we had this week, since we didn't cover as many books as usual, because we did have two mm-hmm. uh, picks of the week. I will start in addition to DC pride and uh, bunny mask and the six sidekicks. I picked up Cherry Blackford from black caravan. I picked up invisible kingdom volume three, which is the third and final volume of that amazing series from dark horse. Um, that actually came out a week or two ago and I missed it, but uh, that series switched to trade for its final arc so if you were reading that previously up through issue number 10 make sure you don't miss out on this um then i got orcs from boom studios i got far sector number 12 that's the end of far sector but i hope we get more of joe Malane and more n.k jemisin on dc comics um i've got carmen number four from image i've got excalibur and x-men 21 uh both of those are issue number 21 of course got the russell Dodderman variants for the hellfire gala um heroes reborn number six strange academy number 11 and then not a new book but i finally have obtained bloodstone number one <laughs> i know that Did all it. you folks at home are very excited i found a copy of bloodstone number one and got me the first appearance of elsa bloodstone all right paul what man, do you got the this crowd
1: week? crowd goes wild <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you have been thank looking you. for it for
1: a while though thank you i have um so i had a super small week all i had was iron man number nine wind uh number seven and maniac of new york number five um of, of course i also um picked up Bunny Mask, DC Pride, and uh, the Heroes Reborn story. So And now uh, you're going to
0: be reading Trigger Keaton.
1: <laughs> and now I will be reading Trigger Keaton. Um, I also do have Strange Academy number 11. I knew I forgot one. So I'm still <laughs> reading Strange Academy. I am loving that book. But really small week for me, which is normally me and Amy are, are sort of switched. But, you know, <laughs> we can't read them all. And when it rains try. it
0: pours a lot of these uh series yeah. for me are just finishing up like far sector or like orcs and carmen uh it is the second to last issue so uh they just yeah when it rains it pours <laughs> but up next we've got uh hauler at the hall responses that you guys so valiantly provided for us we had a fun little question this week this is the segment in which we ask you guys a question and we'll read some of your responses we want your best brightest funniest most deep cut responses whatever the question is you guys provide so last week we asked what is your favorite newspaper comic strip it doesn't have to be in syndication just pick your favorite Paul you want to get us started there
1: I sure do Jason Todd said get fuzzy by Darby Conley is easily my favorite comic strip it's still in circulation but sadly Darb isn't making anything new below is the debut strip from 1999 look at that
0: That is one of the, I I used to have a have to read these ones before school or the, the, you know, when they're in color on Sundays in the newspaper. Um, Get Fuzzy was always in my have to read this one before I go.
1: You know what's funny is seeing this and then, you know, some of the other answers we have in a second. Um, I forgot about so many of these, but I definitely read them.
0: I have like I have like twelve different newspaper comic strip compendiums in my trade paperback collection. It's just just a feel good. Uh, Chad McNeely said back in seven uh, ni- <laughs> <said> 1799, 1979 <laughs> through 1980, a little known artist named Jack Kirby, wink, uh, did a comic adaptation of the Black Hole. Comics at the time weren't popular enough, or the movie itself wasn't, to put it in its own kind of published edition or Marvel Treasury edition, sadly. So it ended up running in newspapers for a while. It was 26 pages in total and a very cool run.
1: Yeah, it's sad to see artists, you know, you never be heard from again. You know, just completely, you know, just like the Eisner nominations.
0: And that but... man grew up to become the king of comics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we also have Kelsey Lynn Clary says, my favorites were always Family Circus and For Better or For Worse. My grandparents used to buy uh, me little anthologies of both, and I read them so many times as a kid. I That's what, you know, now, like, going down memory lane, like, my grandparents are the ones who just had, would not throw away comics, so I would just read them constantly.
0: Yep. So my family stack circus. of comics is their fault absolute classic and Ashley Brienza oh, so says great. for modern strips I love get fuzzy and Foxtrot for the classics you can never go wrong with Peanuts Garfield and Calvin and Hobbes Foxtrot is in my top three uh, personally mm-hmm. just absolutely love this one it was more nerdy uh, especially because of the the young son who I think was his name was Jason or was it because I know the sister's page anyways I feel um, like, no I
1: think it's Jason I, I think, think the you're right.
0: kid is Jason I have uh, I have why do I always have to be Luigi is one of my favorite compendians <laughs> of that one uh, very very funny and pop culture minded. Uh, in terms of oh, just good. And thank you for providing that fantastic example. You can check that out in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group if you want to read that a little closer. But it's basically a Star Wars themed thermostat war. Welcome mm-hmm. to Hoth. Welcome to Tatooine. Welcome back to Hoth. Welcome back to Tatooine, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, just uh, so much fun. Um, uh, now Paul, do you have so a much. a favorite newspaper comic strip?
1: Yeah. So I was you know I was thinking about it and. Um, I went with the real indie choice of also Calvin and Hobbes. Like that's the only one that I can think of that like I literally sat there and read constantly um, because I was you know all of the comics that I read were, were mainly like what we reviewed about to, what we reviewed today. But um, I, I definitely remember reading some Calvin and Hobbes, and I also definitely remember reading Foxtrot. But yeah. it's it's weird like you know thinking about this question. I I I didn't have. A ton that I was like, you know, obsessed with, and then I thought more and more about it. It was definitely Calvin and Hobbes, which is an answer that a lot of you gave. Like, we're not omitting Calvin and Hobbes at all. You know, we just had a lot of you guys also say that. What all about right. you?
0: Well, I want to check. Rob, do you want to weigh in on this? Do you want to jump up here and uh, hopefully have an answer? <laughs> this was actually a really hard question for me, too, because I didn't read a lot of the newspaper comics. Um, I don't know if. The Far Side was ever part of newspaper comic strips, but I was. I think those really count. I'm pretty sure they were in newspaper. There was always like a section that was like below the crossword, at least in the newspapers that I had in my family. That was like the one panel, and it would be Family Circus, Far Side, and like Bizarro. I think was the other one. Yeah, that I was obsessed with that growing up. Always. A good choice. Uh, now, I have I provided, when I asked this question, Brewster Rocket, one of my all-time favorites. Don't read it if you don't like puns. It's nothing but space <laughs> puns. Brewster Rocket space guy is like if Flash Gordon was as dumb as a ton of bricks. Um, love it so dearly. But my all-time favorite is Pearls Before Swine by Stephen Pastis. Oh, um, of course. Just yeah. so sardonic. So um, we, we bought all the collections as a family. I uh, had a daily Pearls Before Swine comic calendar uh, and The Adventures of Pig, Rat, zebra and the crocodiles and goat uh just always just make me so happy because it's so simple but it's so funny
1: <laughs> oh such a good pick
0: yeah my my dad actually cut one out of a newspaper and mailed it to me who who mails it to people anymore he goes this one made me think of you and it was how an author experiences or thinks that their first book publish is gonna go and so it's like how they think it's gonna go yeah woo you're so great we love you how it actually goes you wrote a book who are you <laughs> like thanks dad <laughs> it's good stuff writing (laughs) writing it's a a, a tough skill but uh comic book newspaper strips if you guys aren't if you aren't reading any or haven't read any there's so many online compilations now that you can check out but uh it's just Mm -hmm. a quintessential part of the comics reading experience but uh next we're kind of crossing the streams here a little bit uh next week's question for our level up week special episode we want to know what is your favorite comic book based on a video game so yes. we're taking you out of paper media. And, and think about your screens for a second. Let us know what your favorite comic book is based on a video game, because there are a lot of them. Sometimes they actually tie in directly to the story. Sometimes they're spin-offs or continuations yeah. that have nothing to do with the main game, but it's set in that universe. Mm-hmm. So we will put that up in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, plus the Local Comic Society, our very own Facebook group for all things comics. Uh, you can check that out at side.show slash your LCS, Local Comic Society. Um, <laughs>
1: So we oh. will put those questions up.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what that That's for. what that means. And you can also always reach us at the Comics Hall uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and at uh, the Comics Hall at Sideshow.com. That's an email. The Comics Hall at Sideshow.com. Uh, yeah.
1: Oh, and, and before we go, shout out to Ward Dale, who actually emailed us. Thank yes. you for emailing us and saying my favorite all-time newspaper comic strip has to be Peanuts. And, of course, my favorite character is Snoopy. Keep up the great work. Bye. Goodbye, Thank Dale. Thank you. Thank <laughs>
0: you so much for the email. Yeah, you are always welcome into our inbox. Uh, mostly tumbleweeds blown around in there. But if you ever have a, a an idea, a comic that you want to know more about, anything that you want to know... Mm-hmm. Uh, Feel free to email us there. We love we love getting those messages. Um, so like that, next week will be our Level Up Week show. Make sure you're tuning in to Sideshow's entire Level Up Week event. Registration is open now. It's totally free and only benefits you. It opens you up to exclusive uh, rewards opportunities and giveaways. Plus, we're going to have a lot of shows, live streams, contests going on. It's going to be so much fun. I, for oh, one, yeah. can't wait to switch into gamer mode next week. Uh, so that'll be we need to get the pro-gamer fuel going. Um. Oh, yeah.
1: Some <laughs> dogaritas going. <laughs> oh, God. I thought we
0: would never talk about the dogaritas on this show again. Thanks, Paul. Um, but Rapid you help. can – Always find us 4 p.m. Pacific on all of Sideshow's official channels every Wednesday, new comic book day, and you can catch us on all your favorite podcasting platforms in a audio format on the Thursday following, usually about 8 a.m. Pacific time on all your favorite platforms. Plus, you can go to sideshow.com geek to find a blog for all the covers and visual assets we've referenced in this show if you want to have a little bit more of a visual experience while you're listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We had a big week to get through. Lots of news, <laughs> lots of great comics, uh, but you stuck with it. And hopefully you found something new and you love. And now we release you to go watch Loki. Thank you guys for joining us. As always, I'm Amy.
1: And I'm Paul Hernandez. The,
0: the, child fa- the, the, the failed, failed child, child actor.
1: actor. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this has been the Comics Hall. We'll see you next time. This has been the Comics Hall with Amy and Paul presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing the Comics Hall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, don't forget to Let Your Geek Sideshow.